0: welcome to let's explore this i'm your host kevin i'm here with adam hello this is your tri sigma uh we tried to do weekly podcast uh featuring your three sigma bros today sam had to uh sit out because uh he's taking a little bit of a vacation over this uh, long labor day weekend oh that's right i forgot all about labor day i know i actually did too i <laughs> i mean, i forgot about memorial day as well so it's like these three-day weekends that have popped up yep. at the beginning end of summer like Nice little surprise for me. Mm-hmm. I think I'm still going to be punching the clock, though, on Labor Day, which is sad. I know. I, I hate how... I mean, I, I'd i say the most conservative thing about me is that I wish we didn't have to work so much. Hmm. I wish we could go back to the days where, like, the town shut down on Sundays. Everyone, like, obviously, I don't want to go to church because that's boring. I want to sleep in. <laughs> but, like, you hang out, chill, eat with your family. Have a day, you know? Just chill out. Like, we don't need to work. No one needs to go to the liquor store and buy beer. Nobody needs to go to the gas station buy scratch-offs. Yeah, you planned ahead for it. Yeah. Or just make a huge vending machine economy. Like, every (laughs) gas station and grocery store and liquor store should just turn into a vending machine on Sundays or national holidays. Yeah, that would be pretty sick. It would be. I mean, everyone just needs a freaking day off. Like, it's bullshit. Especially (laughs) the people who, like, work... uh, like the 35-hour work weeks, but then it's mm-hmm. like like four-hour shifts, seven days a week. That yeah. kind of bullshit. Yeah, that's bullshit. Like, yeah, it's like eat my ass. <laughs> but anyway, let's uh, let's jump right into it. So the first thing I want to talk about is some clown from Oklahoma. Um, he is their uh, state representative, Mark Wayne Mullen. <laughs> That's such an f- insane name. It's a name for the history books. I mean, to be honest, if I saw Mark Wayne on a ballot, I'd probably vote for him. Yeah, it sounds competent. <laughs> oh, that's just Mark Wayne. He's really <laughs> giving it to them Democrats up in Capitol Hill. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the other day, this fucking psycho uh, went missing and uh, uh, over by because he was trying to go into Afghanistan. Okay, m- I should say Mark Wayne Mullen is a Republican from Oklahoma mm-hmm. and he is very pissed off at Joe Biden for how horribly the uh he disengaged out of Afghanistan and he abandoned Americans so this guy like went dark didn't talk to anybody because it was too dangerous to talk to people and then just started harassing uh diplomats yeah uh, in our in our embassies yeah to try to let him get into Afghanistan <laughs> <laughs> I just can't imagine kind of like what work is they're trying to do during the uh, emergency evacuation. And this guy kind of slings his dick out. Like, this is weird. He's trying to be, he's trying to be a Davy Crockett, but (laughs) you know, there aren't any. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He's just trying to like posture as this strong man, like Republican leader. So basically what he did is he went to the country of Georgia he had to fly to this place called. I'm thinking it's the capital of Georgia. It's called like T- Tbilisi. Mm-hmm. That's where Stalin's yeah. from originally. Oh, really? Yeah, Tbilisi, Georgia. No, no, he's not from that city, but he's from Georgia. Oh, from Georgia. Okay. Yeah. So the congressman made a phone call to the U.S. ambassador to J- to J- Tajikistan on Monday, during which he told the embassy that he planned to fly from Tbilisi, Georgia, into T- Tajikistan's capital. Dushanbe. in the next few hours and needed to and needed the top diplomats' help. Two US officials familiar with the incident told the Tulsa World. The Republican lawmaker intended to hire a helicopter to enter Afghanistan and rescue a woman and her four children, who I don't know who this woman and those four children are. Like if they're like I, I don't know. Uh seeking help from U.S. ambassador to to Tajikistan, John Mark Palmersheim. And I I actually looked up this John Mark Palmersheim guy, and he's been He's like a state guy. He's been in the State Department since 1990, and he like knows J- Japanese, Chinese, Russian, and he's from Pittsburgh. He's okay. he's a pretty impressive guy. It yeah. seems like he a looks man looks of letters. letters. Yeah, he, he he looks a little psycho, but <laughs> I mean, to be in the State Department, you kind of got to be a little off your rocker. You know, nobody in my life exists. I need to move around the world for American interests. You know, mm-hmm. anyway, so. He's, he was harassing that guy. According to the Washington Post, uh, when Mullen was denied in his effort to bypass Tajikistan's legal cash limits, he allegedly threatened Palmersheim and other embassy staff. Quote, to say this is extremely dangerous is a massive understatement. End quote, a State Department official told the outlet. So yeah, this guy, he wanted to bring a bunch of cash over so he could hire a helicopter to go save these people. Mm-hmm. I don't know if these people in afghanistan like again i don't know who they are and why they're there but like according to joe biden's speech um was it like monday mm-hmm. like he's been trying to get americans out of afghanistan since like march whoa yeah that like america american citizens that have been in afghanistan joe biden the biden administration i'd say probably the state department has been tr- contacting americans in Afghanistan and telling them, hey, we're going to bail, like, let's go, and they just say no for whatever reason, and then the shit hits the fan, and like, oh, God, we got to get out of here. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, In my opinion, just being judgmental, I would say the only reason they stayed is because they were making some seedy money or something. Oh, yeah. Hazard pay. <laughs> Hazard pay. Yeah, they just wanted to, uh, you know, squeeze, squeeze every last dollar out of that country as they could. Probably CIA operatives. Yeah. But yeah, it's just just a clown show. I mean, a lot of these Republican congressmen are just like doing really dumb stuff. Like the congressman that I like to harass on Twitter, Mike Kelly, he's the congressman that used to represent me in Erie. He traveled to the border of the U.S. and Mexico border and was just like, look at this. The wall's in disrepair. The Biden administration's doing nothing. And it's like your boy Trump hired some freaking shoddy contractors to just like bury a pole in the ground and call it a wall like. (laughs) this isn't biden's fault yeah i mean it's it's just kind of an administrative type thing it's yeah or bureaucratic type thing you know just yeah pushing the paper inch by inch but gosh darn mark wayne Mullen. that's all one word too i don't think people (laughs) know mark wayne (laughs) it's one word word. it's one (laughs) name mark wayne by god mark wayne we ain't seen a braver man since before or since yeah, he's apparently Native American and also an MMA fighter, and he remains <laughs> active in the wrestling community. Really? Yeah. Dude, yeah, we should see if we can. It's apparently in his. I don't think it's probably like organizing or something like that. Here, here's an uh, article. I I just googled Mark Wayne fights and looked at videos, and an article from the Hill popped up saying GOP rep uses cage fighting training to keep Capitol Hill fit. <laughs> A former professional cage fighter representative Mark Wayne Mullen is taking his fight to stay fit to Capitol Hill, forming a Congre- congressional men's health caucus <laughs> What? Jeez. hey hey he 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 is teaming up with a uh uh Democrat from New Jersey okay, so Mark Wayne was a former m m a artist. he's apparently pretty good. it says his record was five zero so yeah that, that's not bad. that's that's probably why he doesn't have the cauliflower ears true. It's also in the Oklahoma Wrestling Hall of Fame. Yeah. I don't know. He kind of yeah. has cauliflower ear. You know, he's a fit guy. He is. That's so crazy that wrestlers are like okay with cauliflower ear. I know. It's just their ears are literally turning to stone. Yeah. They're ossified. Like, is it from <laughs> is it from the mat or is it from like it's, people grabbing onto him? It's from just so what happens I think is the blood vessels in the ear break and then you know the ear doesn't have a lot of maybe not the best circulation just like a bunch of tiny blood vessels and that blood doesn't get uh cleansed from the body like if it were if it was on your arm or something like your body would just take care of it okay so all that blood just kind of turns to stone and or those uh the capillaries the like entertainment industry to politician pipeline is pretty crazy yeah it's it's nuts like this guy's a MMA guy and he's just like becoming a congressman and then like obviously we know the big ones like Arnie and Jesse yeah but like even like Manny Pacquiao I think he went back to the Philippines and became a politician Mm mm-hmm that's insane. Like you can just buy all these people who have like all these like legal certificate qualifications yeah, and degrees yeah. and like busted their ass like working for some racist <laughs> like Southern Democrat back in the day. Like they <laughs> like they had to just bust ass to like become a congressman when they were like fifty and then they just stay there for a hundred years. Yeah. And then this guy's just like kicks a few people's asses <laughs> and he becomes a congressman. It is kinda it is kind of <laughs> cool because you don't need a college degree or any you don't need any college to be a congressman. No. Is there like an age limit on congressmen? I think like I'm assuming it's like eighteen. Uh so there was a person in our town. He he was eighteen, I think, when he was he ran for mayor. Um he lost, obviously, but mm-hmm. um I think he found out he had to be like twenty-one to actually become mayor of the town. Oh yeah. So like I have heard in some states you know there's the 18 year old mayor or whatever i think i think it depends on the state or kind of the rules of the township or county well at a federal level so the qualifications of members of the house of representatives no person shall be a representative who shall not have attained to the age of 25 years and been seven years a citizen of the united states and who shall not when elected be an inhabitant of that state in which he shall be chosen okay so you got to be 25 your your brain has to be fully developed yeah 25 years old seven years a citizen and you got to live where you're representing we missed out we should have just spent all that time at west hills getting swole and kicking people's asses and getting ca- cauliflower ear <laughs> Dude, we could we totally could have fucking beat Hagedorn Yeah. we should have just sure. we should have been in the pipeline working our way in local politics exactly i want to i i want to test the theory like i want to kind of run for office one day and just see how far i can get by saying i could just kick everyone's ass up on that stage kevin whoop your ass (laughs) like look at those freaking decrepit old psychos and just be like like look at jim hagedorn in the face and be like hey jim i could kick your ass (laughs) and just to see what he says because he'd have to say no 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 kevin you can't (laughs) like because that's the thing if he said yes then you'd have to fight and he's an old sick man i think so you could kick his ass yeah but if he said no then he would just look weak and then and then you could just start campaigning on hey does southern minnesota really need a congressman who can't even defend himself how is he supposed to defend how is he supposed to defend our interests if he can't even defend himself look at this man hiding behind a trump sign what does he even represent nothing Or well, you'd probably be like, I issue violence, and you can be like, okay, I challenge you to ladderball, tosticular. <laughs> yeah, dude. Actually, I feel like Jim Hagedorn might be good at ladderball because he's a he's a evangelical Christian. Church or, folk are so or maybe good. You at could challenge him games. to like a potato sack race, just hopping along. Challenge him to Harry Potter trivia. <laughs> 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 what was Snape's Patronus? <laughs> <laughs> but you don't know that one. Challenge him to like a game of Pokemon, the trading card games. Can you name them all, sir? <laughs> this man hasn't even caught all the original 151 Pokemon. <laughs> How is he supposed to represent us? <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, Mark Wayne Mullen. Mark Wayne. Oh, man. Mark Wayne. He's always going to hold a special place yeah. in my heart. Why well, is he going to say he's kind of a himbo man hunk? But. <laughs> You know what? His beard. We talk like we me. see it here. Yeah, we, we might not agree philosophically or politically, but he's a himbo man His beard kind of reminds me of uh, Ulysses S. Grant, the yeah, the war general. I, yeah, just kind of scra- scraggly, but yeah. Conservative men should have a beard. I, it, that just seems to go with the the look. You know, you know, it's really crazy how many conservative men look like that, like the Marshmallow Man from Ghostbusters. Oh. <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah just fleshy and yeah it's crazy how superficial those people are but all their representatives just like are really gross like pedo looking freaks you yeah. know what's his f- name mitch mcconnell yeah he looks like, creepy he reminds me of you know that uh the nazi archaeologist and raiders of the lost ark whose <laughs> face melts off that's kind of mitch mcconnell to me yeah you know i would say john boehner was probably was a handsome republican yeah John Boehner and uh, Paul Ryan. They were handsome Republicans. Oh, yeah. One of the best. Yeah. Yeah. I think the era of handsome Republican is over, except for Mark Wayne Miller Mullen. Yeah, if they can, well, because I mean, they like to trump. If they can get into the pipeline, they can beat those people. Because I, I feel like they speak the language. Yeah, they're still, they're still of the people. Yeah. Whereas you know, if you're in Washington for eight months out of the year or whatever it is, you're just. I suppose you just got to start off as a handsome person, and then you can get ugly once you've served a few terms. Hmm. Because I mean, that's how like uh, that's that's kind of how the the new left or whatever is kind of all the candidates that the the new left put are like attractive young people and that's how jfk won against nixon because he's hot and he he was able to look at the women with his weird skewed eye Mm -hmm. (laughs) the googly eye (laughs) why are presidents hot anymore like what's going on yeah i think george bush george w bush is probably i would say obama was handsome yeah george w bush looked too much like a weasel all right i'm gonna say this Presidents didn't start getting handsome until FDR. F- yeah, he he was a snack. Yeah, FDR. He had a very like he was handsome. Truman was handsome. Ike, eh. JFK, obviously a thoughty. Mm-hmm. Uh, LBJ just had a big big uh, wang. <laughs> yeah. See, he was shoehorned in. He yeah. wasn't really like yeah. he got lucky. If I, it was based off looks alone, he wouldn't have been in there. I heard he did win like sixty percent of the popular vote in the oh, election. He another term. Didn't yeah. He? Yep. So that was sixty. I'm getting the years mixed up. Um well Nixon was ugly. Yeah. Gerald yeah. Ford. Gerald Ford, like looks like he'd be he as I mean, a he's young man, Michigan. I think as a young man, he was more. He's a Michigander, right? Yeah. Or, so he kinda I don't know. I'm pretty sure he's a Michigander. I, like I think he's from Grand Arden Rapids. Sides. Pretty sure he's from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Anyway, like Gerald Ford, he looks like he looks like that guy a woman would marry after she like went to college and moved back to her hometown and <laughs> had no other like options and he was like you know good looking enough nice man held a stable job you know what i mean mm-hmm. that's the vibe i get from gerald ford jimmy carter he's kind of a dweeb uh ronald reagan i think well i mean reagan was a hollywood actor so he's he was handsome yeah, yeah. first bush i don't think so clinton he was a sly dog he was handsome. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Bush Jr. not handsome as I already said. Okay, Obama, yeah. to be fair, yeah, I guess W did have a unibrow, but so so do I. <laughs> well, I. Like his face is so scrunchy. Like he has such a small face, like everything's just coupled together. He really took after Barbara. Yeah. He's not a handsome man. His da- I I will say his dad looked handsome. Okay, look, look, you know, I'll give up, you that. His, I know, I'm looking at the pictures of him right now. Yeah. His eyes are very I'll beautiful. give you that. The first Bush, sure. I mean, If you're a hot guy like Reagan, you're you're not going to have an ugly man as your veep, you know, Uh, because I mean, even Al Gore was a good looking guy. Bill Clinton's a good looking guy. I like the picture of them in their running shorts where they're they're about to flash the crowd. Yeah. But then Obama, handsome man. Trump, obviously not. No, I, I don't understand how people think he's handsome. Like, remember that town hall they did instead of a second presidential debate? Mm hmm. And that lady came up and kind of roasted him on like universal health care. But before she roasted him, she's like, I just want to tell you, you look so handsome. I love your smile. It's like, what's handsome about a 70 something year old man? He's just got nothing. He's, he's rich in the smile. An unkempt, fake toothed, like spray tanned man. There's <laughs> nothing handsome about him or redeeming about him at all in the looks department. Like, I think Trump definitely has a very iconic look and he has very a lot of charisma, but he's not attractive no like he he has a memorable look about him a unique memorable look about him all the trumps do they all look like psych like they all <laughs> i don't know they all look kind of they, they look like trumps yeah um like have you seen those pictures you of see as strong yeah for real <laughs> um but like in the looks department i'm sorry don trump not handsome no but anyway enough of that <laughs> um uh i also wanted to speak about that the sackler family um the uh the pill pushing uh philanthropists the uh the blood moneyed pill popping pieces of shit sackler family awful so it was just uh i mean i don't know how long this case has been going on i know it's been going on for a while but sackler family i think had a majority stake and sat on the board of purdue pharma and purdue pharma notoriously made oxycontin which we all know um what has happened with oxycontin and opioid addiction it's killed at least 12 people in whatever town you live in yeah i mean here according so this npr article uh, the Sackler family is this is part. So like basically they they uh, a judge approved their bankruptcy deal. And so their bankruptcy deal allows them to get off scot-free and take no blame or or they don't have to apologize for anything. I think the Sacklers have received some sort of like social punishment where like all those like, you know, shell nonprofits that funnel yeah. money and stuff won't yeah. take their money anymore. But they basically like here we go. The Sacklers have been charged And say they did nothing wrong. Critics say that the introduction of OxyContin in the late 1990s, when members of the Sackler family served on the company's board, helped usher in the opioid crisis. More than 500,000 people in the United States have died from drug overdoses involving opioids, and millions more suffer from opioid use disorder. Purdue Pharma has pleaded guilty twice to criminal wrongdoing in its marketing of OxyContin, first in 2007 and again last year. The Sacklers have never been charged and say they did nothing illegal or unethical. It's like members of the Sackler family, like were telling like all these big pharmacies like Walmart and stuff to like keep pushing those pills. Yeah. Yeah. They wanted that shit out in the marketplace. They wanted to get people addicted. They wanted the money. Well, and pharmacy reps, you know, they could they're just making money hand over fist, you know. Yes, dude. And that's like so bri- Like bribing doctors, and I don't know. Yeah, you know, it's insane how much just buying people like lunch and dinner will like get you. Mm-hmm. I mean, these people like that's why they had to outlaw entertainment. Like, you if you're a pharmacy rep or a medical sales or whatever, you you can't entertain these people anymore. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just disgusting to me that like a doctor who has to take that Hippocratic oath or whatever. <laughs> will completely forgo their morals and their oath because their friend the salesman or saleswoman took them golfing and bought them an expensive bottle of wine yeah you know it's just come on it's i don't know as someone who does sales and i do entertain people and stuff like it, it has gotten better at least in the industry i work for where like back in like the 90s and 90s they would buy, they would literally buy people like vehicles and like upset of golf clubs and all this and that and they would cool. get their business you know get co- big contracts and this and that which i'm sure still happens to some degree but as things have like back then they used like corporations used to be like flush with people and they and they didn't run lean or whatever so you know there's a lot of downtime like your buyer or whatever would go out and have beer with you and stuff like that at lunch mm-hmm. where now they have to like actually work because all the people who assisted that buyer are now gone and those positions were eliminated but still it's just like it's just stupid like that's it's (laughs) this is people's lives you know but yeah so basically i feel like they kind of got off with a slap on the wrist so if i'm reading this right they paid four billion dollars in rest supposed restitution but they get to keep six billion dollars so i mean a billion dollars so much money so (laughs) six billion might as well be they still have their 10 billion (laughs) The deal grants release from liability for harm caused by Oxycontin and other opioids to Sacklers, hundreds of their associates, as well as the remaining empire of companies and trusts. In return, they have agreed to pay roughly $4.3 billion while also forfeiting ownership of Purdue Pharma. In his bench ruling, Judge Drain, which is kind of a cool name, acknowledged the devastating harm caused by Purdue Pharma's opioid products. Which he said contributed to a massive public health crisis. But then it says the Sacklers, who admit no wrongdoing and who, by their own reckoning, earned more than ten billion dollars from opioid sales, will remain one of the wealthiest families in the world. That's so stupid. Yeah. the The part of this article that really, like, I didn't really sit well with me was uh, what, like, what's gonna? It's like the aftermath here. So the new company that emerges from the ashes of Purdue Pharma will be allowed to continue making and selling opioid products, including OxyContin. Mm-hmm. But architects of this deal say future opioid profits will go to help fund drug treatment programs. Purdue Pharma itself will reemerge from bankruptcy as a new company operated as a form of public trust corporation public trust corporation you know with like uh those rehab centers they cost so much money have you have you heard of like instances where like insurance companies pony up the money for people to go there i heard of that no i mean i i could see them doing it but not i don't know somebody told me and i could be wrong here so but he told me like his daughter stayed at one of these places and you know, all the, with all the, like the medical stuff that was wrong with her, like it ended up costing like half a million dollars. I don't know. I want to say a farm, and uh, depending on your insurance, I suppose, I want to say insurance would right. pay for that. Or I'm not sure. Like, Maybe it was the state. I don't know. It was something crazy though. Yeah. If you're going to rehab, you're on the hook for, for some yeah. dough, unless you're like literally have $0 and you get in some state funded or Christian Church-funded nonprofit thing. Like, if you're trying to go to like a real place where you're actually going to get a lot of help. Which I don't want to discount, you know, those free or reduced cost services that are only available to, you know, people with without means. But like, I mean, what's, what's the reality of it? I mean, like, look at like public schools, overcrowded public schools. How how much are those people learning? Overcrowded public free rehab centers. How much help are those people actually getting? Yeah, I don't. Better than nothing. Yeah. Or especially like these court ordered ones where, you know, the person doesn't want to make that change. It's, it's just lighting a bunch of money on fire. Yeah. Yeah, for sure for sure i don't know. it's it's stupid i mean i think a lot of drug use is either i mean like in the case of like opioids obviously it was just irresponsible doctors mm-hmm. and pharmacy companies just mm-hmm. pushing pills yeah. um but you know i think a lot of the drug use and stuff just comes from mental health problems or yeah. you grow up in an environment where you did like your parents did drugs or your parents made you do drugs cuz that happens yeah or just like you know, people in your neighborhood make you do drugs, stuff like that. Yeah. And, um, I don't know, I know, you know, we're a broken record or I'm a broken record when I say like, I think a lot of this could be solved if people just had money. Cause I don't think like, first of all, if all drugs are legal, those markets wouldn't proliferate. Those black markets wouldn't proliferate. Yeah. And problems. if people had money, they wouldn't have to resort to the black markets to make money. So it would just, it would take, honestly, money is the trick. <laughs> like I that would be such a good I mean that's a good opiate you know for uh America's issues is we live in a consumer capitalist economy you need money to get by you need money to like survive like we've commodified our needs yeah we've yeah. commodified food we've commodified housing we've commodified water We've commodified medical care. We've commodified heat and electricity. Like all these needs we force people to pay for, even though it should be, in my opinion, I think those should be natural rights. Yeah. Being able to survive. And, and, and as a species and as a society and as a culture, it should be ingrained in us that we need to take care of each other. Yeah. But it's not. I think that's human nature, in my opinion, is taking care of each other. And that's why there was all like, the nomadic tribes and yep, shit like that. I was that. just thinking that. Yep. <laughs> and when people say it's against human nature, like we need capitalism because it's against human nature to not be greedy, I think they're wrong. I think greed is a cancer on our morality and our psychology. Yeah. I think consumption is a cancer on our morality. Or hyper consumption is a re- uh, cancer on our. On our psychology, because if we're not consuming things, I mean, we've come to this point in America in late stage capitalism where we're not consuming things, we're not productive. If we're not making something, we're not productive. You know, it's it, you know, it's like a lot of people say they find meaning for their jobs, like old people who don't retire and stuff. But it's like that meaning, in my view, like I want, I, I would really like to hear someone explain how they find so much meaning in being able to. You work for somebody, make them a ton of money, you get crumbs, and then you go out and buy uh, 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 a, f- a fishing rod, <laughs> <laughs> or you go out and buy a cell phone, or you go out and buy, you know, a TV. You know, how meaningful is that? And I think that's kind of, I, I think that's kind of the the trap we've gotten ourselves into is like that is what we're supposed to do. That's what we see on television all the time that's what we see in advertisements that's what we see online we see people enjoying consumer products and we think we need to do that to be as happy as them and you know maybe i'm not really sharing any new information maybe a lot of people already know this but if the true meaning of your life needs to come from within otherwise yeah it's meaningless yeah it's about stories mhm that's that's what we all really want yeah around around a campfire telling stories that's <laughs> Exactly. Or, or sitting on the stoop with your homies. <laughs> exactly. Just telling stories. Sitting on the stoop with your homies. Mark Wayne Muller comes over and uh, tells you his tales of grappling men and, and making them submit to him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just that's pounding, all we need. Pounding their faces into the pavement. <laughs> but, it, you know, th- they were having fun, and that's what it's all about. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think, like, you know, UFC is seen as like a hyper-masculine thing, but it's like mm. they are making a connection. Yeah. Like a deep connection. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have like the theatrics, like that Conor McGregor guy or like Jake Paul or whatever, but like a true fighter, like a true boxer or um, or MMA fighter or wrestler or um, what's the Thai... Oh, um, Mu- Muay Thai. Muay Thai. Yeah, those people like... That is like such a huge part of their culture, mm-hmm. and and has really deep meaning for the entire like community. Yeah. Well, and it's also all the time spent at the gym with your homies. Yes. You know, getting big, to get lean, <laughs> eating good, eating spinach balls of spinach together. You know. Yeah. You know, drink taking a big gulp out of a protein shake and wiping it off your beard. I mean, that's... <laughs> yeah, that's what it's all about. Yep. Seeing you can get the stankiest by never taking a shower. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Letting the other man know you got the... The Sigma stank. <laughs> Just that that smell emanating from your, your nether regions. Just... Yeah. They know. <laughs> Want to sample my Sigma stink? <laughs> the deepest relationship you could ever have with a man is (laughs) bottling your sigma stink and and spraying it on your friend or your friend spraying it on themselves (laughs) i want to smell like you bro dude i want to smell like you bro i'm gonna make it oh boy um well i guess moving on from you know the pill pushing billionaires getting off scot-free could you imagine that like paying someone 4.3 billion dollars and still having more money than that yeah it's nuts (laughs) (laughs) well then i think it also cuts off um like future cases that could emerge like from or plaintiffs I think yeah you know, they can't can no longer go after um Purdue Pharma well there is... was a bit there is a bit at the end where apparently some okay so th- here this is where we'll wrap wrap up the pill pushers uh an appeal by the DOj could be the final hurdle. NPR reported on Tuesday that Purdue Pharma and its attorney launched a behind-the-scenes pressure campaign aimed at convincing the DOJ not to challenge the plan in court. NPR acquired an early draft of a letter distributed by the drug company to groups supportive of the bankruptcy deal. The letter is framed as a direct appeal to the DOJ officials and purports to be written by those injured by the company and, and members of the Sackler family. Quote, We collectively speak... For the overwhelming majority of the state and local governments, organizations, and individuals harmed by Purdue and the Sacklers, end quote, the letter states, There is no mention in the document of the company's role launching the effort or crafting the message. Ryan Hampton, an opioid activist who served as on a key committee negotiating the bankruptcy deal, expressed outrage at Purdue Pharma's effort. Quote, This letter was highly inappropriate. It was wrong. End quote. Hampton told NPR, quote, It was written, proposed and pushed at the 11th hour at the beckoning of Purdue Pharma, end quote. A DOJ spokesperson declined to comment on the drug company's efforts to influence its decision-making and could not disclose the timeline for deciding whether it will file an appeal. So yeah, the DOJ is thinking about appealing the bankruptcy, like some big bankruptcy watchdog, um, and the DOJ wants to appeal the bankruptcy deal because they don't think it's good enough. uh, And, you know, Purdue Pharma is kind of just getting all their resources together to get these phony letters sent to them claiming to be like victims of purdue pharma saying like oh this is fair enough yeah Yep. it's a three-page letter i'll put it in the show notes <laughs> but well, we uh just, yeah probably just bought some like ai it just automatically writes these letters yeah AI figures, out t- figures out 200 different ways to say the same thing and send <laughs> it. that's all yeah gone. for real all right. Well, moving on. Another big thing happened this week uh, with Texas imposing a six-week abortion ban, and the U.S. Supreme Court refused to hear arguments on an emergency basis. So, I do want to point out that even though I think this is bullshit and this is a direct uh, correlation to Trump having being able to choose three justices, there is still light at the end of the tunnel, however dim, because. They're just saying they're not going to hear it on an emergency basis, but the decision will be made on it next June 2022. Okay. So they're still going to hear arguments against it, but for the this almost one year time, yep. they're going to allow it to persist, yeah. which is too, too long. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't even persisted for a a second, you know, it's strange times. So I I guess let's get into some, some weird shit about this, this law. So Texas, this is from Reuters. Texas's ban has so far survived legal challenges, partly because of an unusual feature that leaves enforcement up to individual citizens who could collect cash bounties of at least $10,000 for bringing successful lawsuits against women who seek abortion after their sixth week of pregnancy or those who help them. So that means doctors. Yeah. So the practitioners and the women are holding the bag here. Yeah, the ba- the bounty is probably the most horrifying aspect. I know. That's so bizarre. Like I wouldn't be surprised if there was a a, a situation where like a mom or a grandma or you know grandpa or father like rats out their own child. Yeah. You know, it's just so dumb. And I think I kind of I read somewhere that like these things like these claims are going to be easily dismissed. But the problem is the cost to go to court. So this stuff would like end in I think it's called litigation. It's like the pre-trial shit. Mm -hmm. Like they basically say, hey, if I write you a check for two grand, will you just stop instead of taking it to court? because then it's yeah. just cheaper for them for the victim but it's like ugh. <laughs> it's it's just stupid and and, and Texas like they've passed a shitload of laws uh, on Wednesday on top of this abortion one um like allowing people to carry guns around without a permit banning critical race theory in school uh, suppressing laws like they got rid of the like I, they like added voter ID requirements to I think mail-in voting and and drive-through voting or something like they got rid of drive-through voting, like all these popular things that, you know, made the turnout go nuts, you know, in the last election. So I, I don't know. There's just, it's just voter suppression, uh, suppression of women's right. But I mean, I think it's it's pretty ballsy to in one day outlaw abortions like this and legalize carrying a gun willy-nilly <laughs> like you have to have a lot of confidence there but i don't know i mean do you have any opinions on this other than it's bad yeah that's i mean basically my opinion on it yeah i mean some of the nuance i don't not, it's maybe not necessarily important but yeah oh. i mean i just think one i guess one thing i want to take away from this is like I, I mean it's clear to me and i think pretty much everyone who listens to this podcast that republicans are psychopaths and they're stupid. And they do bad things. But like one of the first things, like responses to come out of like um, a CNN anchor. Well, actually, I do want to say before I get negative, I want to say this. Nancy Pelosi did tweet uh, yesterday. She said the court's cowardly decision to uphold a flagrantly unconstitutional assault on women's rights and health is staggering. The House will bring up Congresswoman Judy Chu's Women's Health Protection Act to enshrine into law reproductive health for all women across America. Every woman has the constitutional right to basic health care. SB eight is the most extreme, dangerous abortion ban in half a century, and its purpose is to destroy Roe v. Wade and even refuses to make exceptions for cases of rape and incest. This ban necessitates codifying Roe v. Wade. So now like it's the the, the wheels are turning for it to become federal law and hopefully. I mean, I don't know how the Re- Democrats would p- pass that. Um, I don't know if there's any Republicans in the Senate that would I mean, give... Like, they need 10 votes. They have... You know, it's a tie in the Senate. So the vice president, Kamala Harris, could... Democrats could do whatever they want, but they're not going to. But isn't it... I thought that was only like during budget reconciliation i guess that's the thing is like when they were talking about the minimum wage thing like i forgot what they said that thing that no one has ever heard of (laughs) is the reason why they didn't put it in the bill so i mean can they pass anything through budget reconciliation because i think it needs to be pertaining to the budget in order for them to pass by a simple majority so like anything else would actually still need like what they need to do is get rid of the filibuster that's what they would have to do they'd have to get rid of the filibuster so that any anything that gets on the Senate floor can be passed by a simple majority I mean in my opinion I think we should get rid of the the Senate completely I think the Senate is a stupid institution and it's very undemocratic I mean it's it's completely insane that like during the Trump tenure when the Republicans did have the majority like what was it like even though there was a majority of Republicans they were representing like 10 million fewer Americans oh like yeah like i I, the numbers i come to my mind are 10 and 40 million okay so it's like these republicans are coming from smaller states like wyoming and montana Mm -hmm. and ohio or ohio is actually pretty big iowa you know all these small states that make up the majority of states in our country but not the majority of our population so that's that's very undemocratic Mm -hmm. and it's very undemocratic that one person can come and derail everything the uh i mean the president can do that but then the president can get overruled by congress but the senate like i don't know the senate seems to be like one of the most the the most powerful branch of congress you know so it's just stupid because you got assholes like joe manchin who sit there and like take away uh like Oh, well, let's press pause on that three and a half trillion dollar Bernie budget plan. Yeah. Which and even that, you know, that amount of money, still not enough. No, it's, it's still a third of what's probably required to have a good America. Yeah. And I mean, I was I was listening to Joe Biden's speech um, and he, you know, he brought up the fact that we were spending three hundred million dollars a day for 20 years going to war. And I mean, I guess that is the war cost, you know, half as much as Bernie's plan. Yeah. But it's like we could have had that half of that money then if we just didn't go to war Yep. you know and, and instead they're giving they just like they're trying to expand the military budget by 25 billion dollars even though we're supposedly going into a peace t- peace yep. time which you know i guess i feel like they're going to argue that we're never at peace because there's always terrorism mm-hmm. but it, it's i don't know it's just so short-sighted completely but um anyway, like I guess I what I want to say is it looks like the Democrats might nut up and and get this stuff taken care of. Uh I think like during the Obama like supermajority, I want to say there's still like some anti-abortion Democrat. Uh I don't know how many of those still exist, but I know they do exist. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um but anyway, coming off the Supreme Court decision, this uh CNN commentator lawyer type named uh, Asha Rangapa tweeted out right after the decision hey Bernie bros you did this guys sorry but someone had to say it That's so dumb <laughs> Bernie bros voted for fucking Hillary I mean I know a lot of them voted for Trump but like, come on, dude. No, the Democrats did this. It's it's so stupid. This is something I hate about mainstream Democrats is they blame the voters for everything. Mm-hmm. Like, they make us feel like we're in a bad situation and they're the only ones who can fix it. And then they refuse to fix it when we give them power. And so they prop up some... She'll, like Hillary Clinton, cheat her in to the nom, and then blame Bernie bros for her losing. She had the entire backing of the Democratic Party and all their political and fundraising arms and still lost. She ran a bad campaign. Nobody likes her. And she lost. She lost because of herself. Yeah. It, the whole p- responsibility of a politician is to convince you that they are going to provide you a better way of life, or they are going to represent your interests in government and protect you. She failed to do that. That is how a politician loses. They fail to convince people that they are going to protect them. Yeah, her her response, here's what she did to get people excited about America. She said, Pokemon, go to the polls. and." <laughs> Oh, man, Miss Clinton, <laughs> that hits well with people 45 and older. That just slaps. That slaps, Miss. Thanks. <laughs> well, can, yeah, I mean, I, me. I do believe and, and, you know, I was reading in the Marianne Williamson book, which I forgot at my grandpa's. I'm so mad, but I got to like half of it. But she was talking about how, you know, and we've spoken a little bit how, you know, the upper echelon, the top tier class, you know, the upper class are like out of touch. Mm -hmm. And she brings up that they couldn't see Trump's victory because they're so out of touch. Like it didn't make sense to them. So everyone just Mm -hmm. thought Hillary was going to win because Trump's a, you know, Looney Tune or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, and, and so that so I think most of their fundraising and political campaigning and meetings and stuff, it's just like a circle jerk. Yeah. And they actually profit on losing because then they can go to the the people and be like, hey, we need more money to try and win next time. Oh, yeah. And the middle man just leaves with a smile on his face because he has all the money. Yeah, for sure. I, mean, I I have no doubt there were millions of emails sent minutes after the Supreme Court decision saying, like, urgent, we need to start this fight now. Please donate $15 oh, to Nancy absolutely. Pelosi's campaign. <laughs> you know, and so that's, that's what they're doing. They're and just making money off of it. That's all they did it for. They're... I don't think yeah. they're ever gonna try and come to a solution. They they don't want a solution. It doesn't pay. Yes. Yes. It doesn't keep and them I have, in power. Exactly. And I and I have a very you know, I have a very good feeling that millionaires, which are the people who represent us in our government, are very self centered and selfish. And so like I don't I honestly don't think Nancy Pelosi cares about poor people. Um, you know, I hope this tweet that she said is in, in earnest but she's not going to get an abortion anytime soon like so i don't think i don't think uh i don't think she really gives a shit but hopefully she does i mean at least she said something anyway so that is uh just uh, a little bit of what's going on in hell world today <laughs> <laughs> um i think bruce sent us some emails we should probably get to those oh do you have i have it up Okay. okay. All right. So, Brew, truly our number one fan. All right, Brew. Bruce sent us a ghost sighting article. I'm sorry, Brew. I'm not going to read that. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Andy sent me a correction. Harriet the Spy. Yeah, Harriet the Spy, it was an orange tape. Andy, I thought I said that on the podcast. I thought I said, yeah, it was an orange tape. But I appreciate the correction. You know, we need to be held accountable here at Let's Explore This. We do. (laughs) Bruce said, uh, you're welcome, Sam, in response to the uh, giving him a ride home. And he said, thank you for taking your shirt off to properly respect Romschein. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. So here's a little interesting read. We'll wrap it up with this. This was sent to us by Brew. How Pepsi became the world's largest, the world's sixth largest Navy. So this is a, this should be a short read. Just before the fall of the Soviet Union, the communist state was so desperate for Pepsi that they traded the American beverage company some 20 warships for a shipment of their sugary elixir, making the Pepsi Navy the sixth largest in the world at the time. That's why the Soviets fell, because they were drinking fucking Pepsi. (laughs) It's disgusting. They tried to mix their bathtub vodka with it. (laughs) (laughs) led to the corruption of the the russian soul (laughs) yeah oh man in 1959 just two years after the first intercontinental ballistic missile test forced both the u.s and soviet union to recess their approach to nuclear deterrence then vice president richard nixon and soviet premier nikita khrushchev both attended the american national exhibition in moscow's moscow's Sokolniki park as the two men exchanged bars about the efficacy of each other's each nation's uh, respective economic model. Head of Pepsi International, Donald Kendall, decided to break the ice with a few small cups of their namesake soda. Could you imagine being that big of a shill? <laughs> like those those CEOs and shit have to be like 100% in on their product and like believe in it. And he's just yeah. like, "Hmm, I'm meeting two world leaders. I bet they want a Pepsi." <laughs> like, come on! Like they have to have some sort of rational thought in their head. Like, do these people want to drink? pop like i mean knowing nixon like he probably wanted a whiskey or whatever and he wanted to like be racist about irish people oh yeah (laughs) yeah as luck would have it the soviet premier was immediately smitten by the sugary carbonated drink and a deal was struck for the soviets to begin receiving shipments of the beverage pepsi had secured the first such agreement between a capitalist american company and the communist soviet union but there was one serious problem soviet money was effectively useless outside the nation's borders but while the Soviets may have lacked hard currency, they did have something else to trade, vodka. So Pepsi and Khrushchev made a deal. Pepsi would provide shipments of soft drinks, and in return, the Soviet Union would provide vodka from their state-owned brand, uh, Stolichnaya. Stoliknaya? <laughs> yeah, uh, for resale in the United States. For a bit less than a decade, the agreement between the Soviet Union and Pepsi stood without any issue. But in 1980, geopolitical geopolitics soured the deal the soviet union had invaded afghanistan and the american people responded by boycotting soviet sourced products including the vodka pepsi was being including the vodka pepsi was getting in trade for their soda within a few years uh the vodka sales had dropped enough for pepsi to no longer consider the deal worthwhile but the soviet union's love for american second tier cola was too strong to let the deal lapse and soviet officials began looking for other ways to reimburse pepsi for shipments of soda By 1989, dude, it's like fucking nails on a chalkboard having to say soda. I hate saying soda. (laughs) It's pop. It's pop. By 1989, they had a solution. In exchange for Pepsi's soft drinks, Soviets offered them a veritable navy. Pepsi agreed to the deal, taking possession of a Soviet cruiser, a frigate, a destroyer, 17 submarines, and a handful of oil tankers instantly making the drink distributor the owner of the sixth largest Navy on the planet. But despite that significant bragging point, the newly established Pepsi Navy was far from battle ready. The fleet of submarines was in a terrible state of disrepair, with many many listing to one side and nearly all of them showing signs of serious rust. The surface ships in Pepsi's new Navy weren't in much better shape which perhaps only one that was truly seaworthy and at least one other that required constant pumping to keep it afloat. Yeah, (laughs) this stuff looks pretty nasty. It's just like a bunch of shitty old boats and subs. Nonetheless, the United States government wasn't particularly pleased to see corporations suddenly command enough naval firepower to square off with some entire nation. Pepsi's CEO, uh, who had first introduced Khrushchev to the beverage, responded to America's complaints with with all the plum one might expect from the admiral of pepsi's navy reminding the pentagon that he had just managed to reduce the number of ships at the soviet's disposal by a considerable number of course this comment all right here's the direct quote i'm dismantling the soviet union faster than you are donald kendall (laughs) pepsi ceo of course, this comment may, have, may also have had something to do with the Soviet people's love for his capitalist product. A number of things ultimately led to the downfall of the Soviet Union, including Ronald Reagan's efforts to spend the communist regime into oblivion and later Mikhail Gorbachev's glasnost policy of more open governing. But it's tough to dispute the effect po- products like Pepsi had on the Soviet populace. Shortly after taking possession of the, of the Pepsi Navy, the soda brand, the pop brand, sold all 20 warships to a Swedish scrap recycling company in order to recoup the cost of their Pepsi shipments. I mean, I feel like that's a little bit too pro-capitalist to send into a communist podcast brew, but thank you. That was an interesting read. (laughs) Really? I think Sweden is the one that profited Svedka. That's why they're Sweden's finest product. Yeah. Yeah. They found like they were digging through all these submarines. They found grandma Yuri's uh, potato vodka recipe stuffed (laughs) away in some like left pants or something and that's the recipe for swedish vodka and russia's just like oh good we we got rid of all these submarines that are just as bad as the cursed that sank dude it's so dumb that like there's a picture on here with nikita khrushchev drinking out of a pepsi cup like think about that as a diplomat you're just like let's invite those fucking pepsi guys (laughs) (laughs) let's bring pepsi in on this one yeah (laughs) this ukrainian peasant (laughs) yeah I mean, I, I don't know. I know food and drink can really like, you know, it's, it's easy to cross cultural boundaries and start conversations through meals. So, I mean, that's probably the thinking they had behind it. Like, Hey, this is America, but I don't know. But yeah, thanks again, brew. I'm glad you did that. It, it added a segment for us and it was an interesting read. So, so I guess we will uh, wrap it up here. I do want to remind everybody that uh, our email is let's explore this pod at gmail.com. Uh, send us uh, your thoughts, uh, your uh, pictures of orange Nickelodeon VHS tapes, um, <laughs> and, and whatever you need. Any feedback, any articles you want us to take a look at, whatever, just send it to us. We we really appreciate that. Uh, and then we also started a Patreon. Uh, you go. I I will include the link in the show notes. Uh, it's also on my Twitter bio at uh, Killer Lars. Um, Adam, did you put it on? no i I still need to put it on uh, okay, so we'll we' will we will get it on the on the, the yeah we'll get it on the twitter for uh the the podcast twitter um so yeah, anyway, it's uh just look up, let's explore this on Patreon or a link will be in the show notes or on Twitter if you would like to subscribe to our patreon uh currently we're being cheapskates and we offer nothing in return <laughs> other than the product we're already giving you, but the tier is called Friend of the Pod, and we'll give you a shout out at the end of the episode once you uh. Once you uh, uh, subscribe. So if you want to hear me say your name. Subscribe three bucks a month. Be a friend of the pod. And then uh, if you want to talk about the Twitter stuff. Yeah uh, you can follow us at explore underscore pod. We'd really like you to be our our 200th follower. Dude we're still at 199. Like seriously guys get on that. You can be number 200. I think (laughs) in the last week we got up to 206. And then (laughs) we dropped down. (laughs) Keeps going up and down. Yeah it's real teeter-totter or seesaw yeah 200 seems to be our uh a ceiling right now a little barrier that we need to get through so we'll we'll get there we'll get there all right everybody well thanks for listening we appreciate you and have a swell uh whatever you're gonna do after this yep (laughs) bye-bye